0: This is the New South Podcast, and you're listening to Laurie Beard. I am here talking about internal space. We started part one on internal space, passports and hoarders, and we're going to continue the conversation because there's just like a lot of really cool stuff to unpack. And today we're going to be talking about the relationship between outer space, like external space, meaning the space around you, the 3D space that you can see. And the relationship between your outer space and your inner space. The things in your life that you cannot see are your inner internal space. I am a little bit with cold. My daughter started a new camp, and that means we get new germs. <laughs> that means I get new germs. Um, so I might be coughing a bit here and there. Apologies. Um, and before we get started, I have one announcement, which I totally forgot about last week. I'm so crazy we at the new south are excited about the book that i'm putting out this fall called soul food it is um soul foods basically like a encapsulation of all the work i've done so far in my career and whatever it is that i do that has a lot to do with the body and a lot to do with eating and that's kind of how i have worked with people at the very core of my body of work and so Yeah, like last year, it became clear that that work I've done could be a book people could read and use on their own and learn from and grow from and live with and enjoy and maybe um, have some healing and relief and joy in their lives because of it. So that's coming out this fall. That's the biggest thing I have going on right now. So let's get started. Our internal space and our external space. So I think one of the things that and thinking about internal space, the biggest question that comes to my mind is like, what does it look like? Like what, what is that space about? What are the parameters? What occupies that space? Like what's going on in there? And I think a great place to start with investigating that is by looking at our outer space. Because you know, why do we care about our internal space? Well, as we kind of talked about that internal space is steering the ship, whether we want it to or not. And when we don't acknowledge that we have internal space, that we don't acknowledge this, all the this stuff that's in there, the feelings, the reactions, the memories, the traumas, the joys, the um, myriad aspects of our internal world, all the things that we can't see that are happening in our lives, our reactions, our triggers, our um, deeply held beliefs, when we don't acknowledge those things, And when we aren't in relationship with those things, they jump in and and create our actions and our world. And you know, like it's kind of like if you have had any experience with identifying that you are not your thoughts. Like a thought is in your head; it's a sentence in your head, and every single word that your head speaks is a thought. It's not you you're the one watching the thoughts. So for instance, if you've had any any kind of work around thoughts, thought work, um awareness around that, that's internal space relationship, right? Like you may not have even realized that you have a thought, I am not worthy. I can't do that. I'm not capable of that. I'm not good enough for that. I don't deserve that. All these thoughts are governing our actions. We're acting from the place of I don't think I'm worthy. I don't think I deserve something. I don't think that I'm good enough for something, unless we bring awareness to it and begin to hear hear it for what it is. And the reason we want to do that is because we don't want to act from a place of, I'm not worthy. We want to act from a place of um, spaciousness, capability, belief in ourselves, courage, encouragement, hope, trust, faith. I mean, the the benefits of beginning to bring awareness into what's going on in our internal space is like, it's, it's kind of like if you had a trust fund. Someone sent you a letter like 15 years ago, uh, alerting you that a distant uncle has left you his entire fortune in the trust fund. And you just don't open your mail because you're like, ah, what if it's scary? Like what if it's, what if the letter from the bank is actually like I owe them something? So you just don't ever trust your mail. So you never learned you had the trust fund. And yeah, maybe there is some scary mail in there. Like maybe there's a overdue notice from the library. I mean, I think like that's maybe not the scariest thing we could get. But, you know, just little things that we don't want to hear about, know about, deal about, deal with. And because we haven't opened any of our mail, we missed out on the good mail. That's what's happening when we don't acknowledge and interact with our internal space. There's so many amazing things we can accomplish, achieve, breakthroughs we can have, just a daily life where we feel better. That it's available in waiting for us. It's like that letter about the trust fund waiting for us just to, as soon as we turn our attention to it. So let's do that. So when we talk about internal space, it makes me think of the music class. I'm going to tell you two stories today. One's about the music class and one's about a handstand in the middle of the street. So first I started taking my daughter. There's, okay, there's this, if you're not a parent, you may or may not know that when you're, when you have children, there are a smorgasbord of options of classes to take them to and a cu- there are a couple of motivations to maybe embrace some of these classes one is if you're like me and you're at home with your baby and for you know the first several months just kind of by yourself that is lonely and boring and if it's winter it's like extra boring cuz the mo- number of walks you can go on is like severely limited by the fact that you have a newborn and it's winter so you might want to go to a class where there's other parents with other babies and kind of going through what you're going through at the very least. But at, at, at the, be, you know, in addition to that, you get out of the house, possibly some stimulation. So I did a little bit of online research when my daughter was about six weeks old. And I found out about this thing called the music class, which was just a few miles down the road from where I lived. I signed on up knowing that she'd be like on the extremely young side, but I just I needed to get out and I'm like, can't hurt her, you know, be around other kids, hear some music get to the music class it's not kind of totally what I expected it was way more formal um like I don't want to say uptight but I was expecting sort of like something more like Disneyland like happiness and children and playing and joy and sparkles and sunshine and it was more like uh, a forced march to um a boring job. Like, it just didn't, wasn't as uplifting as I had expected it might be. But it was still out of the house and it was still other parents and they doted over Omelette because she was so little. So I went the first week, decided I'd go back. Went back the next week and there was another mom with another little baby. I was like, oh, yay. She was actually very nice. We struck up the conversation before the music class started. And um about 10 minutes into class, class is 45 minutes long, about 10 minutes into class her baby starts crying and she's shaking the baby and and rocking the baby and cooing and all that kind of stuff. And eventually she's like, I think she's hungry. So this mom stepped out of the area. So there's like, it's one giant room, half of maybe three quarters of the room is music class space with instruments on the walls. And there's a divider that's kind of like a gate up to your hips you can come in and out of that um, separates sort of like more like the lobby area from the music class area, but it's still, it's a shared space. I mean, you can kind of see through to the lobby area, to the music class area. So she stepped through the little gate and sat down on a chair and began nursing her baby. And when I say the music stopped, I'm not speaking metaphorically. The teacher um, stopped singing and stared at her like in horror would be the word. The other class members looked extremely nervous because, like, the teachers had this kind of extreme reaction. And at best, and then at worst, they're like also kind of like disgusted that this woman's nursing. And I'm like, I just kind of feel like I'm in this parallel universe because I'm in, I'm a very, very new mom, and 15 times a day I'm nursing my baby. So like her nursing the baby is like the, has become this very normal thing, which, you know, before I had my daughter, it was like the weirdest sounding thing to actually do to another human. But then you have your baby and you're like, oh, this is actually like not a big deal. And I think about that woman and she just kept nursing the baby. I mean, to her credit, she didn't like become sheepish and recoil and like, you know, yank the baby away and I don't know have some kind of extreme reaction that was not very sovereign instead she she just kept nursing the baby she she, she looked over and kind of noticed what was going on and eventually the music teacher kind of got it together and awkwardly led us through a, a song and it kind of was off kilter um for most of the class and everybody else was totally quiet like no one said anything like hey what's the big deal or um is there a problem with her nursing or Can we keep going in class? I mean, no, I didn't say anything. No one else said anything to kind of address this, like, invisible awkwardness. And so when you think about internal space, like, externally, a woman took an action and there was a reaction. But internally, think about all that was happening inside everybody in this class. I mean, for me, what was happening internally was, I'd say, confusion. I just, I felt, like, disoriented. Because, I mean, I'm in, you know, I think if you were in the boardroom, and nurse your baby. Maybe that would be more unexpected if you're in like a professional business meeting in many cultures, but like in a little kids class, like to me, that would seem like an appropriate place to, I mean, arguably everywhere is an appropriate place, but it's an especially sanctioned place, right? For, um, feeding your child. But, um, instead, you know, my confusion, my, I'm second guessing things. I'm like, Am I off here? Like, is this, is my, are my standards off? And, you know, think about the music teacher. What's happening in her internal space? Is she angry? Is she scared? Is she more open in her internal space or more closed? Is there more space in there or less space? Who had more space on the inside? The lady nursing her baby who didn't get rattled? Or the music teacher? Hmm interesting question. So let's talk about the second story, and then I'll tell you kind of like how this all relates to our, um, what our space looks like and outer space. So I was in California with my daughter and my husband last fall, and my daughter was taking a nap, and we were in an Airbnb rental house that was really cute in Northern California in a busy neighborhood, um, residential but busy. My husband went out to get us some food or maybe for like a run or something, And I was sitting on the front porch looking at the rain while my daughter napped and just kind of, we'd arrived earlier that day. So just kind of arriving right from the East coast to the West coast. And I hear a car pull up in front of the house and it's a red Mini Cooper. And the car just stops in the middle of the road. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder what's going on. A Mini Cooper stopping in the middle of the road while it's raining. And two people get out and they're not in any hurry. Uh, One is a woman with, uh, very short black hair, but it's still in kind of like these high pigtails. And she's wearing like a multicolored sports bra and sort of like a bathing suit bottom, but kind of like a larger size bathing suit bottom. So it's like a two-piece ensemble. She's barefoot. Other is a guy He's just kind of in some swim trunks and a t-shirt. And she starts doing handstands in the middle of the street. And I kind of giggle, like... How cool is it that these people are just kind of doing this, engaged in this? So I react. And the thing that was interesting about the scene was not the handstand in the middle of the street, and it wasn't the fact that I giggled. It was the fact that there were people, like three sets of people, Uh, one man talking to another man right next to this entire scene, who they didn't miss a beat in their conversation. They are just continuing to talk. (coughs) Um, there's a lady walking her child didn't, didn't bat an eyelash at this, like mini Cooper stopping in the middle of the road and people doing handstands and other, other people taking pictures of it. And then there's, um, three, I think like maybe teenage boys, uh, maybe they're middle school age, um, playing in the yard, like two houses down very close to the scene. Again, throwing the ball don't even stop and look, don't point, don't laugh. And the people that are, the lady who's doing the handstand is talking and laughing and interacting with the guy taking the pictures. So it's not like they're surreptitious. They're definitely something you would take note of. This happens for like three minutes. And, and even a car comes up behind them, doesn't honk or anything. It's just sort of like, oh, it's handstand time in the middle of the street. Of course you would just wait for that patiently. And when she's got whatever pictures she needs, they get in the car and, again, not hurrying, just walk back to the car and drive away. And I think about everyone's internal space that didn't react to that scene. Like, what does their internal space look like? What does it look like? I mean, for me, you know, I've, I found that to be, um, like, whimsical, I'd, I'd say, right? Entertaining, unusual, unexpected. And for it, all the other people that I named that surrounded, I mean, the older guys, younger kids like a local mom, all these people, their internal space that was just, um, a completely neutral experience. So like, how much space do they have inside? Do they have more or less than the music teacher? Or is it just different? Do they have more internal space than I do or less? And I ask these questions, not because I want to feed you an answer, but I, 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 it's a really interesting way to start thinking about your internal space as, um, something that can be bigger or smaller because you think about the general happiness, joy, inner peace, outer peace of each person I've talked about in these two stories and it's, they're different. You can see that it's different. You can, and when you're around people you can feel that it's different. I mean, someone who has like gravity around them, they're so peaceful and settled and embodied is someone who I guarantee actively engages in internal space strengthening and in creation activities like meditation and yoga, prayer, all kinds of creative endeavors. And then people that are reactive, uptight. I mean, think about that word, even uptight, like how much space do you have when you're up and tight? perhaps live a much different lifestyle in terms of relating to their internal space. So what if there's different amounts of internal space inside of us and what if we can affect how much internal space we have and what if our, the amount of internal space we have actually changes our mood state, our reactions and our relationship to our external space. Maybe we're much better able to consciously interact with our external space and make choices that feel supportive for us when we expand our internal space. Because when you think about it, if there was a point on the earth that went up into the sky, like forever, ever, ever, it would never stop. I mean, outer space goes on for as far as we know forever. And maybe there is an end, but it's so far that no instruments have found it yet. And it would take billions of years to get there. So what if our external space does match our internal space and there's just as much space inside of us to explore? What if it's infinite? What if the amount of internal space you can embrace is not only infinite, but it doesn't take anything away from anybody else? And if it is infinite, then what is it like when we begin to like, take that kind of depth of exploration? I mean, these are big concepts, right? It's sort of like, I mean, if you're still listening, (laughs) then you're probably nerding out like I am, because this really shifts the paradigm, it shifts the way we think about space on the inside and on the outside. Because if our external space is obviously, um, in some ways, reflecting our internal space, and if even our external space matches our internal space, then... We can mess with our internal space and it changes things on the outside. We can mess with things on the outside and it changes things on the inside. I mean, it gets pretty cool. Like, the possibilities become, honestly, infinite. It's just something to begin to percolate on. Percolate? I really need to Google that word. (laughs) It's It's my nemesis. I'm just kidding. I think that's enough for today. I think that just beginning to think about what's happening in our internal space and how it is... Affecting our external space, and that relationship is the best place to kind of step off from today's podcast um, and conversation. There's a lot more to this, but I think I think that's a big chunk to you on for the next few days or week or so. And with that, I bid you farewell, sending you love and peace. Take care. Bye.